Hello, and welcome to the Physical Preparation Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Robertson, and I'll be joined on the line later today by the incomparable Martin Rooney. Now, before we jump into this week's show, I want to give you a little recap of the week that was, let you know what is going on in the world of Team Robertson, give you a very quick recap of the weekend. Cade is slowly wrapping up basketball, had his best game ever the other day, and keep in mind, we're on a, a very gray area scale as to what a great game means, but I feel like he's showing more attention, he's more interested every week, got his first assist, I think, this past weekend, and I'll talk a little bit more about that later on, but it's been great watching him play and enjoy the game. We got to meet our new doggie this Saturday, so we do not actually have uh, our young man just yet, but we'll be picking him up this Sunday, so very, very excited to uh, introduce him to the world. If you're on the gram, I threw a couple pictures up on my story. If not, I'm sure you will see plenty of pictures in the weeks and months to come. And then Sunday, Kendall was super excited. She got to go hang out with a friend, uh, go swimming and do all kinds of stuff. So Cade was kind of bummed. So to flip that, he and I decided to do what we deemed as Sunday fun day. So we both needed haircuts, had to check that box. And then from there, took him to his favorite lunch spot. The weather was great. We went out to the park and we loaded up so many different sports items, right? I said, what if we could take anything, what would we take? We took the football, we took the frisbee, we took uh, the baseball stuff, um, we took our golf clubs, and we went to the driving range afterwards. So lots of fun that day, and just goes to show, like, look, you can always find ways to have fun, and he and I had an absolute blast that day. So that is the weekend um, upcoming and things that I'm excited about. Complete Coach launches this upcoming week. If you are not on the insiders list, please do that ASAP. Go to completecoachcertification.com. Make sure you're on that list before Sunday because come Monday morning, we are going to go live. And the only way to save $200 off the standard certification price will be if you are on the insiders list. And just a little side note, with all the new stuff that I've added this time, as well as stuff that I will be adding in the future, this is also going to be the cheapest that you can ever get it. There's a very high likelihood that come September, when I re-release it or relaunch it, the price is going to be significantly higher. So if you're interested, definitely do that. Side bonus, I'm very excited. I'm working on this webinar right now that kind of really details the way that I look at supersets. And we talk about some of the standard stuff. You know, we're gonna talk about, you know, alternating between muscle groups like opposing muscle groups like buys and tries and that sort of thing or like upper lower like you would use in fat loss uh, scenarios but i've got some really cool variations there and things that i use to either help enhance athleticism or to enhance movement quality so definitely want to check that out again completecoachcertification.com if you are not on that list get on it asap my friend uh ifast stuff It is Client Appreciation Month at IFAST. So things that we're doing this month to just try and show people that we care. I mean, handwritten notes to all of our clients, just, you know, little stuff. Uh, Today, we ordered Smoothie King for, you know, any clients that came in and trained today. We had Smoothie King sitting around. So as soon as they were done, they could get a little post-workout shake. Um, Shout out to Christian Ham, the owner of the Smoothie King up here in Fishers. He's awesome. 
Uh, his son trains at IFAST, and they're just an amazing family. So happy to support them and at the same time uh, support our staff and our members because they are amazing. And then one other thing that I'm really excited about, we just kind of finalized it and are, are putting the finishing touches on the marketing materials. But April 25th, we are hosting our first annual Paws and Pals charity boot camp. So you guys know if you've listened to this show for any extended period of time or you follow me on Instagram or just about anywhere, I talk about my love of animals. And we fostered animals in the past. We fostered two dogs last year and five kittens. We're getting a puppy here in a couple weeks, or actually this week. Uh, it seems farther off than that. But animals have always played a huge role in my life. Growing up, I was on a farm. We had generally 40 horses because my mom boarded horses and we had our own horses. We would always have seven or eight dogs, probably 15 to 20 cats. So animals have always been an important part of my life and helping take care of animals in need has always been something that my family has believed in. People used to joke around. My mom was like the step below the Humane Society. Like when the Humane Society wouldn't take a dog or a cat and didn't have space for it, we were the ones that would take it. So really excited to do that this April. Uh, Our goal is to raise $1,500 to donate to the Humane Society here in Hamilton County and they're just an amazing group. We volunteered for them in the past. We've you know, fostered pets for them, and I think they're just a wonderful group of individuals. So all kinds of cool stuff going on, and I want to leave you today not necessarily with a deep thought, but something to just marinate on for the rest of your week. And I haven't done these in a little while, but I think it's time to get back to it. And I'm going to start with a story from Cade's basketball on Saturday. So Cade has gotten better every single week. Um, the first week he didn't even want to shoot on the basket there because it felt higher than the one we had at home. Um, when he would dribble it up, he'd be dribbling and then just slowly his hand would be moving, but the ball wouldn't be touching it and the ball would just keep going lower, lower, lower. And then the other team would steal it. So this week he brought the ball down, did an awesome job, did a little jump stop, looked around, and then he saw one of his teammates and he passed to him and the kid shot it and got a basket. Now, when he comes over, I said, well, hey, buddy, like your guy wasn't playing defense on you. Like, why didn't you just dribble to the basket and shoot it yourself? And he looks at me and he says, but daddy, Tobias is a good shooter. So I stopped and I passed it to him and then he made a basket. (laughs) And so it's one of those moments in life where your kids teach you things, right? And that just reminded me to play to your strengths. You know, he's not super comfortable shooting the ball just yet. And there are other kids that are a little bit bigger, a little bit stronger, a little bit better shooters for now, which, look, be honest, I think he's going to be a pretty good shooter. Uh, just watching the guy move right now, and then he needs it, sending him to the, the shot doctor, Joey Burton himself. But it just it just reemphasizes the fact that you have to play to your strengths, right? Like, if you want to get ahead in life, and it doesn't matter whether it's, you know, in your career, whether it's in your relationships, You have to be comfortable playing on and maximizing your strengths. So often we get caught up in trying to maximize weaknesses and it just doesn't work that well, right? Like we're not all good at everything. I think a far better strategy is to minimize our weaknesses, right? Or just bring them up to a respectable level so that they don't hinder us and then really double and triple down on our strengths. It's something I know Bill's talked about in the past. I know I've heard Gary Vee talk about this for five or six years now easily, but that concept of don't worry about all your weaknesses, bring them up to a respectable level, 
play to your strengths. Figure out what makes you unique and then spend as much time and as much energy on that as possible. All right, my friend, we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to jump into this awesome, awesome show with my guy, Martin Rudy. It seems like every day I talk to a young trainer or coach who is frustrated. Maybe they're frustrated with the results they're getting. Maybe they're frustrated because they don't have trusted resources to learn from. And maybe they're frustrated because they simply don't have enough clients and wonder how long they'll be able to stay in the industry. So if that sounds anything like you, I've got something that I know will help. My Complete Coach Certification was created for trainers and coaches just like you, who are serious about the results they get and who know that becoming a better coach can directly translate to a bigger bottom line. This certification is gonna take the last 20 years of my life's work and put it all into one massive course. In it, you'll learn how to use the R7 system to create seamless, integrated, and efficient programs for clients and athletes of all shapes and sizes. How to create the culture, environment, and relationships with everyone you train so you can get the absolute best results. And the exact progressions, regressions, and coaching cues I use in the gym from squatting and deadlifting to pressing and pulling and everything in between. Of course, there's a ton more that I cover, but that should give you a pretty good idea of what the cert is all about. Now here's the thing, spots for the certification will only open twice per year for a limited time only. If you're interested in learning more, my next cert will launch in March of 2020, and if you join my free insiders list, you'll be able to save $200 when it opens. To get on the insiders list, just head over to CompleteCoachCertification.com. Again, CompleteCoachCertification.com, and then stay tuned for emails in the coming weeks. Thanks so much for your support, and I hope you'll pick up a copy of the Complete Coach Certification when it launches. As an internationally recognized coach, speaker, and best-selling author, Martin Rooney is on a mission to make a world of better coaches. Martin has his Master of Health Science and Bachelor of Physical Therapy degrees from the Medical University of South Carolina and a Bachelor of Arts in Exercise Science from Furman University. A former U.S. bobsledder and Division I track athlete, he is the creator of Training for Warriors. His systems are used in 250 locations in 28 different countries around the world. Martin has consulted for major universities, professional teams, and military organizations. And he's trained athletes from virtually every major professional sport, top Division I colleges, Olympic medalists, All-Americans, and world champions. His new book, Coach to Coach, uses those lessons to highlight the importance and power of coaches. In this show, Martin and I talk about a handful of critically important topics. We start by chatting about how he's evolved as a coach, from the areas he's prioritized and focused on when he started to where he spends his time and energy now. From there, we discuss the polarizing topic of motivation and gives his insights into why motivation is critical to our success. And last but not least, we hit on the hot button topic of culture and discuss how to build a great culture in your team or work environment. This show is chock full of great info and I know you're gonna love it. But enough for me, let's do this. man. Thanks so much for coming on the show here today. Really excited to have you on. Could you start by just telling us a little bit about yourself? Hey, happy to be here, Mike. And, you know, as you know, you and I just spent some great time in San Diego, which I think everybody would have wanted to be a fly on the wall for that <laughs> conversation. And that's yes. why, and that's why we're having this one now, maybe to, you know, to 
give some great content for everybody. But hey, for anybody listening, thanks for listening. And I'm going to give you the I'm going to give you the quick history as best I can telling the story. But I want everybody to remember I'm prefacing it with this. Everything I'm about to say is true. But at the same time, it, it's almost over the last 25 years. So if it sounds like a lot, it's really not that great. It was just a really long time. So, uh, hey, my name is Martin Rooney, and I started as a track and field athlete in high school. My mom was a phys ed coach and, and sport coach. So I had uh, really advantages there and always fell in love with sport and fitness. I went to college on a track and field scholarship. Then I went to the Medical University of South Carolina and got my degree in orthopedic therapy as well as my master's in health sciences. And in this weird twist of fate, I made the U.S. bobsled team. Now, <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure that makes total sense, right? I'm in South Carolina, and now I make the bobsled team. Right. But I make the bobsled team. I'm wearing the USA colors, living at the Olympic Training Center. And really, I was where I should have been. Like, that's what I loved. I love sport. But when the Olympic dream was over, I did what most or a lot of people do in the world. They You go do what everybody tells you to do. So I became a therapist. That's what I have my degrees in. And hey, nothing against it. If, if the people I used to work with are listening, hey, I loved working with them, but I knew pretty much immediately that that wasn't my passion. It wasn't where I was going to be great, but I continued to do that for years and years, mm. right? And so I think the big first knowledge bomb I'm hoping to drop today for everybody is if you're listening to this and you either got the Sunday sadness or the Monday blues, that's telling you something and it's telling you that there should probably be something else you really should be doing that you're more passionate about. And mine was exercise, fitness, sport. And I started going to course after course. Bill Parisi and I were sat next to each other on a plane on one of these courses. And by the end of that flight, I knew I was leaving therapy and I wanted to join him on this mission. We were gonna try to launch sports performance. And uh, we did that in the 90s. Uh, got that up to, you know, you know, from the training high school kids to then being a coach of NFL people and UFC stars and Olympians. And then we had uh, almost a hundred facilities across the U S and I started to notice like, man, I wanted to do something even bigger. And, and I was working with fighters. I was one of the original guys to do that. That's another thing I was doing all of these things when everybody said it was crazy, right. you know, so now sports performance is normal. Back then it was, if you lift weights for kids, you'll stunt their growth and girls will get too jacked. <laughs> and also, and UFC guys wasn't even a thing then yet. It was scary. They were banning it from TV. But I saw something there and got that going, which then led to what I currently have, and that's training for warriors, where now I'm not worried about putting belts around fighters' waists. I'm worried about tightening down the, the weekend warriors' belts. And we have yeah. a few yeah. hundred facilities around the world. Thousands of people are doing it. But now that elevated me up to now I'm not just – and I think what we're going to talk about today, now I'm just not the fitness guy or the, the exercise expert. Now I've really deep – dove into coaching because not only am I coaching my organization and they're coaching everyone else, but I'd see now, and I wish I would have saw it earlier, that coaching is how you make it all happen. So so for everybody listening, that's the fastest version I got, but <laughs> but, but it's, there's a lot in between in there too, and hopefully we flesh some of that out today. I'm sure we will. So start with this. So you're, you're this budding track and field athlete. Like what led you to the weight room initially? Was it just trying to become the best track and field star possible or what led you in that path? Wow. Well, you know what? It wasn't, yeah, it, it wasn't to be the best track and field star. Actually, 
the weight room started for me earlier, but there wasn't a weight room. So here's the funniest thing. So for everybody listening, I grew up in the 70s and 80s, and, uh, and here was my weight room. So this is a shout out to my buddy and neighbor, Richie Mendoza. He had a weight set in his basement, and one day he came over to my house. He was older than me, and he said, do you want to lift weights? And I was like, yeah, I'll lift weights. And <laughs> we went in his basement, and I'll tell you this. It was definitely not the most sophisticated workouts. We yes. would figure out it was it was <laughs> arm farm, you know, times a thousand. Where yeah. man, we would have pictures of Schwarzenegger on the wall. All we would do it was those sand filled plate weights. Oh yeah, and we figured out every arm exercise ever. But I started to get results. People noticed, and I'm talking. I was like 12, 13, 14, and man, I got bit by the bug, and I never stopped. Where I realize now, a lot of my friends that I tried to get into it. They didn't do it, but man, I always loved working out. And then, and then I started parlaying that into sports. So I don't think sports was the original driver. I wasn't smart enough to realize. And remember, I'm coming from a day and age when I played baseball. They said lifting weights would tighten you up, you know, or like, yeah. hey, it'll wreck, it'll wreck your shot in basketball. No one right. was. I was still early enough. I was pre like, you need to get stronger for sports. It was still people weren't so into it. But I really loved lifting weights. So I kind of come from, I guess you could say the bodybuilding era where it was Schwarzenegger and the Van Damme and Stallone movies that got me lifting. And, uh, but I will say my high school coach then did get me in, but still we didn't really have the resources or the facilities, you know? So I, I, you know, I was doing stuff on my own again in my basement and and (laughs) for lack of a better way to look at it, I don't think I had any muscles from my chest down. Like, I don't know. I don't know if I ever realized I, my mirror only went up to here. Right. So that I could see, I think. So I was always like this. Yeah. So I, I, I will say this. One of my biggest regrets is if I could go back, I would have like trained legs once a week, right. <laughs> which I did. But that was the, that was the, or, the Martin Rooney origin story of lifting. I love it. I love it. And like you said, you've, you've, worked with so many different groups of athletes and you've been on the forefront of so many different things. What I really want to focus on today is the, the, the concept of coaching and the evolution of you as a coach. So let's start there. Talk to me about your evolution. And when you were first getting started, what were you focused on in a session or writing a program or whatever? And where do your priorities lie now? Well, I think it's a great, uh, it's a, not only is this a great concept, I think this is going to help a lot of people. Because I and I want everybody listening. I'm not telling my story to say where I am. I'm telling the story so you can maybe check out where you are on this same evolution. Because now I'm really understanding. I have watched what I'm about to describe, and you and I, Mike, will flesh this out. What I'm about to describe, I think everybody kind of is somewhere on this line or this path. And if we can accelerate you forward, that's the job of a coach is to accelerate somebody further down the path. So here's what I'll say, and I won't be too proud or, you know, or not to not say it. But in the beginning, when I was a coach, you know what I was most worried about? Mm. Me. (laughs) I can't even call myself a coach then. When I started, I was still competing and and trying to still get back on the bobsled. Uh, When I started, when I was really coaching, I was doing a lot of powerlifting. When I started, I was working with these elite fighters. But the whole thing was about what was I learning and what were my workouts like. And I won't say that I didn't give a good session, but I'll say that I wasn't a hundred all in, but I still didn't understand yet. I had not made the transition from athlete completely to coach, if that mm. makes sense. Yep. And hey guys, I've made an evolution. I have four daughters. Being a parent 
has helped me do that over the last 17 years. So in the beginning, what I would say is I was too much focused on myself. And this was in an era of no social media. Like I can't imagine if I had social media then and I was worried about what I was posting every day or what I was eating every day. And I don't regret it because I do love the fact that I experienced things so I have a better opportunity to coach it. So I don't want anybody to get the wrong idea here. I think you do have to do the work and you have to understand what you're doing, but you eventually have to make the transition that if you're gonna call yourself a coach, it's not about you anymore, it's about them. Yep. And if all the focus is on them and how you make them better, you're only going to accelerate results faster. So I would say, you know, hopefully that's a good answer to the to the first question there. But I'm challenging everybody listening. Where are you are? Where are you on that spectrum? Right? Like, mm-hmm. you still an athlete? Is it like if I look at your Instagram? Is it your meal prep and and your workout and your deadlift day? Which, by the way, isn't really attracting anybody to come work with you? Or is it, man, are you? constantly figuring out better ways to communicate, better ways to get across the things that you now know so that somebody else can better benefit from those. And and so so that so I told you where I was, that's kind of where I am now. Like I'm a track and field coach in high school. I'm still coaching a lot of athletes. My one UFC guy Jim Miller is fighting next week. He'll have, you know, again he'll have re- regain the most fights in UFC history. But here's the thing. It's not about me at all, man. I want to do everything in my power to help that guy. And I don't even post about it because it isn't about me at all. It's about him succeeding. So so it's almost this huge transition from – which I think a lot of us make in this field from athlete to truly being a coach and understanding what that means. Yeah, I love that. And you know, when it comes to training clients and athletes, there are a lot of people out there that don't think – of motivation or inspiration as part of their job, right? They claim they're not like the rah-rah type. And I get that. But I'd love to get your thoughts here and, you know, maybe help them out a little bit. If they don't feel like that's their type, how should they go about motivating or inspiring people when they do have a bad day? Well, and and, it, and it's funny it's funny you say it, Mike, because this is something that comes up with me a lot. So if anybody has been listening, and I'm hoping just the way that I talk or the energy that I use – I'm hoping your pulse went up a couple of beats a minute, right? And uh, <laughs> right. If, not, if not, check your neck or go check with your doctor. So there is definitely something about the way that I coach that a lot of people say, man, that Martin Rooney guy, well, oh, you know, watch this. You'll love this. Um, every year they come out with lists, you know, hey, influential people in fitness or something else. And then people write about the list. And for, I've been lucky enough to be on some lists. And there was this one time that somebody wrote under it and they said, yeah, that Martin Rooney guy, he's great. It's motivation. Mm. <laughs> you know, and, and at first I was like, am, am I supposed to be offended by that? Or is, is that like a dig? Right. And then I took it as the greatest compliment. And I'm going to say this for everybody right now, but also give everybody some strategies. Here's the first thing. You ready? Mm-hmm. It is the coach's responsibility to motivate. Like one mm-hmm. of the biggest or greatest responsibilities of a coach is to motivate the other person to do what they know they should be doing. I mean, it's actually like the job because it, because most people are coming to you. Watch ready. One, it could be because they don't know what to do and that's why we're there to help them do it. But even when you tell them what they know they should do, can you motivate them to do it? And let me give an example. Hey, how many hours of sleep do you need? You saw me do this in the speech. How many hours of sleep do you need? Eight. Eight. And when I ask any coach that, they all say eight. Then I say, 
well, do you get eight? They say no. And then I say, do you get everybody you work with to get eight? And they say no. And that's when I say, okay, well, wait, so you know it, but you can't motivate anybody to do it, which is the job. Right. Like, so the job is to motivate them to do it. It doesn't matter that you know it, they know it. <laughs> and uh, now that being said, this is the interesting thing when I deep dove into motivation. Motivation, and I'm not going to sugarcoat it and say, oh yeah, it's just a rah-rah speech and you give a pep talk and it happens. No, motivation is very acute or uh, not very long lasting, yes. right? But see, what, how you make motivation work long lasting is through coaching by finding out, like what I like to say is finding out the person's why or finding out what drives a person. Yep. And then when you know why it is they want to do this thing or what it is they really want or what drives them, now you use motivation to get that. So I'll challenge everybody. If you can't get people eight hours of sleep, then you don't know what they want. Because if you knew what they really wanted, say it was fat loss. Hey, well then I would be in this person's face all the time, whether it's an athlete or Mrs. Smith. And I would be like, man, like, do you realize if you get more sleep, it's going to contribute to fat loss. Do you know how, you know, how this affects you hormonally? Do you how the, how this affects you calorically? Like we got to get enough sleep. This is what you want, isn't it? Like, right. let's, let's do this. And all of a sudden, yeah, I seem like I'm rah-rah, but I'm latched on to the driver of what it is that motivates them and then they start to take action. Yep. And so, so in a nutshell, here's what I'll say. Motivation doesn't mean you got to be like some on fire maniac, but right. I will challenge everybody. If you're passionate about what you do, you should be a little more on fire because that's what gets everybody else burning. But I get it. Everybody has a different style and you don't have to motivate with a vein in your neck like I do. You <laughs> You can still motivate by having a conversation or whatever style it is, but the process I'm trying to share is you got to find out what it is they want. The just do it slogans and the every damn day t-shirts, those don't go that far. Right. Man, if you really dug deep and you understood, hey, here's this woman and, and she's worried about losing her relationships or she just got a really bad blood report from the doctor and she's worrying about taking care of her family, like you can figure out how to motivate that person to get eight hours of sleep and eat better then. For sure. But it's only, but it's only when you know that stuff and then you can coach it. So I'll say this. If anybody listening right now thinks motivation is negative, you're negative. Right. And you're probably not in the right business because I'll also say a coach's job is to motivate. We already said that. But man, the job is also to be positive. Yes. And be this like, and to be this person that brings people up, not smashes them down. And that's a big part of the new book too, that I still see a lot of that. Like I think people think being a coach means to be hard or to be tough or uh, to show people they're not tough. And man, that isn't the job. Our job is to solve problems. And hey, how do you do that? Find out what motivates them and get them closer to what they want. And uh, so hopefully that gives a cool answer no. and hopefully it makes sense. No, it's perfect. And that's one of the things that, that we do when we're doing an initial intake with clients is they'll say something very arbitrary or superficial, like I want to lose 20 pounds or whatever. And so we'll always ask, so that, and they'll be like, huh? It's like, I want to lose 20 pounds so that, and then you make them fill that in. It's the same thing you were discussing. You got to figure out yep. their why, because then it's so much easier to motivate them, right? And you're at that deep seated, like emotional level versus just, I just want to lose 20 pounds. 
Well, and in my experience too, and whether it's with athletes or regular people, for everybody listening, and they don't just come up with that answer. They know what it is, but you got to keep digging yes. to eventually get it. Yeah. Like for instance, when I was working with NFL guys, I, hey, why do you want to make it? Well, I want money. Well, why do you want money? Oh, well, I always wanted to play in the NFL. Uh, I want to play on Sundays. Ah, everybody wants that. Like right. that, that's you, that's nothing. You makes it doesn't make you unique. You won't do it. And then you dig deeper and you dig deeper. And then when you find that thing, yep. that's when you motivate people. And yep. that was always, but what are we talking about there? Conversations, communication, things used in different contexts for different people. And then like I, I saw this quote the other day, Mike, or, or it wasn't – and I spun it towards coaching. It's kind of funny. You ready? It, you know, if I can paraphrase how I would say it, it would be uh, – yeah, I don't know if it's easy or hard. Coaching is really easy if it wasn't for the people. Right. <laughs> you know, it's, a, it's like, man, coaching would be really easy if it wasn't for people. Right, and it's, right just kind of like man because everybody's different and, and it's how do you do it so I don't want anybody to get me wrong like it's not like I can motivate everybody and it's not like oh wow I just asked a question and they got it right but this is this is coaching where now as I recognize like yeah hey was I in love with the push-up for years or with sprint technique for years or finding some new exercise or superfood from the Amazon that I thought was <laughs> going to be the big thing yeah and and that wasn't a wasted search because you got to have those things as a coach. And, yeah. I, and Mike and I both agree on this. Like, guys, you got to like you got to have all those tools in your toolbox. Yep. But what we're talking about today is this frontier of like, OK, none of that has any value unless you can get anybody to do it or you can or you can get anybody to to accept it or trust you enough to do it. And that's coaching. And that, again, same thing. That's what the new book Coach to Coach is about, because I just don't think. We just didn't have that course in school and we don't have that book. And man, if we have thousands of coaches out there that know a thousand push-ups but make people feel worse or can't get them off the couch and or are scaring them away because of their yes. Instagram, we're not helping anybody. I so, love it. I love it. So I want to change topics just a little bit because when we hung out in San Diego, we were at the Perfect Day Retreat. Perfect Life Retreat. Anyway, Craig <laughs> Valentine's event, which was awesome. Yeah. And you were there to present on the topic of culture. And I want to, obviously that was a huge presentation. It was like a 90 minute talk. So I want to narrow scope a little bit. One thing that you hit on that I think was really important was the role of people. So coming back to that, what role do people and the quality of people you have in your organization or team impact the culture? How do they impact it? Well, and hey, and we're opening up, a, we're ripping open another whole giant can of worms here. Right. But hey, first off, what I'll, what I'll let everybody just dive into too, or the, a great way to segue from coaching to culture is you can't have culture without coaching, but you can get a culture without trying. Meaning like you either control your coach culture or somebody else does. Yes. And, uh, and a lot of times because people don't understand that the culture forms itself and you end up with a culture you don't want. So, and I know this is, this is another big, it's almost like that's now the cherry on top of the coaching thing yes. that I'm spending a lot of time on where now you've coached a certain way. And then that creates a culture with your people. And that culture is the environment of your business that is also going to help either produce results and keep people on board. So what you're talking about there, and that is one giant aspect because you cannot have, <laughs> yeah, like, you know how I said, Coaching would be easy if it wasn't for the people. 
Yeah. Listen to this. It's cool. Well, culture would be impossible if there weren't people. Right. So if there are no people, you got no culture. Right. But if you have enough people crowded around something, there's a culture whether you created it or not. Yeah. And a lot of times people don't create it and then it goes bad. Yes. So, you know, so whether you've been on a team before, there was a culture, whether it got set or not. And that could have been a positive culture or a negative culture. It could have been a culture of discipline or a culture of a bunch of lazy people. And according to the way that these people act, that's going to determine the results. So, you know, that speech, man, a lot of it took me a couple of years to put that together. But so many people wrote in about it because I don't think enough people are talking about it. So right. so right. that could be just something. Hey, I think, you know, it's two huge concepts there that I'm hoping everybody's, you know, head just explode, you know, opens up right now that, wow, I got to look at coaching a different way. And then and then the way that I coach. Hey, what kind of culture do I want to create here? Yeah. And that was something that was really eye-opening for me because now culture is such a buzzword in our industry. But you look at the places that prior to that coming about, the people that had great coaches and strong leaders, they had great culture, right? And I never thought of it in that fashion until you brought it up like that. It's like, oh, yeah, you kind of got culture, like you said, good or bad. It's just depending on like, you know, what are the people like within it and how are they driving it either positively or negatively? Yeah, or a, a great one. And I know this one's a cliche, not really used for culture, but for forget how it's used, like just people. But, you know, the thermostat or the thermometer, you know, that classic example where for everybody knows, like the thermostat sets the temperature, the thermometer tells you the temperature. Mm. And a lot of times everybody's always operating just with the 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 thermometer. So it's kind of like, man, my business isn't going good. You know, when I'm checking the temperature of my business or the building, uh, it's either good or bad, where what you're talking about there is, yeah, great leaders and coaches, they are the thermostat that sets it. And if people can really be aware of that, you know, holy cow, it takes your business to a whole new level, you know, and it's, and ultimately it's your operating system of how things are done or how they are not done, you know, and unfortunately in businesses, especially in our industry, few people are spending time there, right? It's usually yeah. like, Hey, it's, you know, I'll tell you our industry guys. It's like, it's usually a person in fitness. Then they worked in a gym. They worked in a gym long enough that they say, Hey, I'm tired of, I, I got all the business here. I'm tired of making the money for everybody else. I'm going to do my own thing. And they make up a logo. They get an LLC and then they, man, then they're grinding for a few years <laughs> yes. until either it does go or it doesn't. And a lot of times the reason it won't is because uh, a lot of the, the, the coaching and the cultural aspects were never taken into account and they were never created purposely. And then, man, sometimes the wrong thing happens haphazardly and that puts people out of business. And right now, Every day I see it's a mass exodus of people that can't hack it. Like this industry is tough. Yeah. And, it, and, and that's also part of my mission is to make, you know, what that speech was that day to make sure that that doesn't happen. Because every time a gym closes or every time somebody fails in, in the thing that they love, uh, you know, it's a loss for all of us, you know. So, yep. you know, yep. but man, coaching and culture are the heart of both of those. Well, so this is going to lead me, I don't want to take this on too far of a tangent, but you talked about businesses going out and I could be wrong, but I feel like it is getting harder versus easier to be successful as a small fitness facility these days, right? In the yeah. sense that, look, we cannot compete with an F45 or a cycle bar or an orange theory. So 
look, they have more marketing budgets, they are bigger operations, but look, those are the two things you can win on every day of the week, right? You can't tell yep. me they those big franchises can have the coaching or the culture that you can create in your gym if you put your effort into it. Well, hey, I want to even say what, you know, I don't want anybody to hear something that they heard wrong. You can compete. And I believe the cream always rises yeah. to the top. What I think though is instead of saying, hey, they have this or they have that, what it is is I think everybody for lack of a better two word term, everybody in this industry that is not a, a, like highly capitalized or has a, a million dollar, billion dollar fund behind them, you got to level up. Yeah. You got to level up as a leader. You yeah. got to level up as a business person. You have to level up in your relationships and you've got to level up your concept of what your business is going to be. Like I will say this, the days of the dirty gym with the chalk on the floor and you rip your palm off and you just crush people, that's over. Yeah. Right? In yeah. in the in the in the warehouse in the middle of nowhere that people are going to drive to, that's over. And uh now you got to compete in the space and you got to compete at a high level. And if you do that, hey, every town in USA can have a bunch of gyms, you know, yep. right? Because also these small businesses, at least that I'm talking about, just like my training for warriors, you need a, you need a, a couple hundred people, you know, and you're rolling. Yep. Yep. You need, need 5,000 or 10,000, like say a behemoth, like a planet fitness, right. you know, for 10 bucks. So if you're delivering great customer service, incredible experience, you've got a great culture and mission and you've figured this all out and you're in the right spot. Hey, like it, so is it tough to compete? Yeah. Yes. But you love, but do you love what you do and, and what you want to do? Then, then go for it. Cause the worst thing would be to you know, like I've seen happen a lot, like ah, I'm going to go be a fireman or a policeman and there's nothing yeah. against that. Or I'm going to go be a school teacher now. And, I, and, you know, I guess what I'm saying is there's nothing wrong with those if you're passionate about it. If that's what but you want to do. It, if you're doing it and you don't want to do it, but that's like a cool, safe, secure job. Like, man, don't spend the next 40 years doing that. Yeah. Right. Like, go go for what you love, but figure out how to do it. Yeah, I love it. So. One thing that you mentioned a couple of times, and I want to make sure we give it due time here, is this new book that you just wrote. I know you're super pumped about it. We talked about it a ton in San Diego. So would you mind telling us a little bit about the book and what prompted you to write it in the first place? Man, well, for anybody that has read some of my work before, this book, it's called Coach to Coach Watch. I don't even have a copy yet. I'm getting my first copy. <laughs> Mike and, then, and then Mike's going to have it in his hand. But I have a, I have a photo so there is the photo, photo of the cover. Of the cover. Yes. Yes. You can at least know that it is real. And hey, Phil Sims did the forward. I've got some tremendous names behind it. But if you have read my previous work, this is a departure for me. I have taught coaches on or coaches in courses on coaching for the last bunch of years. And when I would finish with the course, people would say, man, we need a book on this. When are you going to do the book on this? And it just never felt right. Meaning I didn't want to write a textbook. I didn't want to write like a if this, now that. And to be honest, you know what's interesting, Mike? The more we talk about it, I don't think you can write that. It can't yeah, be like now say this, now throw a high five, now sh that person will say this, you say that. And it just never was right. But what I found was my one of my gifts as a coach is telling stories. And I said, well, why don't I, why don't I tell a story? Why don't I do a parable book? on coaching and have stories within the stories to teach all my stuff, just like I do in the courses. And God, for anybody listening, 
it was hard. Like it made it way harder to do than my classic, like, Hey, here's the, here's the uh, floor press. And it's a picture of me. And I write the description, Right. but I'll tell you what, it was so rewarding. And each night I didn't even know where it was going to go. And when it was done, I sent it out to one of the biggest publishing houses in the world. That's most famous for this style of book. You know, if anybody's ever read John Gordon's energy bus or the five dysfunctions of a team, it's Wiley publishing. And I was expecting, you know, just like, hey, from J.K. Rowling down, the hundreds of rejections. But, man, they called back in a day and a half. They said, we love it. It's so timely. This is it. We want it. They signed me. And then they fast-tracked it. That's why it's coming out in a few weeks. And it is a story. It's a parable about a young coach. But this young coach, it's not just that he's not getting it done on the sports field. He's messing up at home with his wife. He's messing up at home with his kids. He's messing up up the chain with the coaches above him. And it is this hero's journey of where this old man shows up out of nowhere and starts to have some of the answers that this guy needs. And and this guy puts him into action and you follow his evolution as a coach. And uh, although it is a fictional parable or novel, all of it was so easy to write because all of it in some capacity happened to me, you know? So, so it's really like, I don't know. I think people learn in stories. I sent it out to some of the biggest names in coaching and they only gave me a week or two to to get testimonials and guys like Dan Gable, Lou Holtz, Rudy from the movie Rudy right. wrote and said how great of a story it is. So, you know, and and when people ask who's it for, of course it's for coaches. Anybody that calls himself a coach, got to have it. But it's for parents because we're coaches. It's for teachers. It's for business owners. So there isn't anybody that the book isn't for. So that's that's the nutshell on it. And like, man, I couldn't be more excited about it. I'm just I can't, I just can't wait because I believe it's this missing piece that everybody needs in their coaching education. Is it the be all end all? No, but it's going to start people on the path to find out, you know, the, the X's and O's and the things that they need to know even more about coaching. I love it. I love it. Okay. So big question time, my guy. If you could alter the space-time continuum and give young Martin Rooney one piece of advice about training and or life, what would it be? Well, you know what's funny is part of how I wrote that new book is is that. You know, like if people were to ask like who's the young coach and the old coach, it's kind of like that's – yeah, it's like my 25, 30-year journey difference. But here's one that I'll say that I think I want everybody to listen, which – and I kind of say it now and I still don't listen. Right. There's it's like there's this Zen thing to it. I would go back and tell myself to be more patient. And, you know, there's that this famous quote from Tolstoy. It says the two most powerful warriors are patience and time. And uh, I think I was to be honest, Mike, and maybe you were there, too. I was like in this rush. Like I got to get another exercise. I got to read another book. I got to go to another course. I need another yeah. n- a couple of initials behind my name. I got to get this. I got to get that. I got to get this. And I guess here's the the message behind it. Sometimes I wasn't learning for the knowledge. I was learning for the, the product of yes. or something. And that has changed. And now, like when I read, I read because I want to absorb, I want to learn it. I want to know it versus I, I, I think I was, I was just trying to accelerate things that, Hey, you can only make things go so fast, right? Like you can't right. rush physiology. Right. You can't rush your life experience. And so for everybody listening, you got to take each day and max it out, but you got to be patient. I think, I think like now looking back on 30 years, I accomplished a lot, but my best stuff was when I wasn't rushing, you know what I mean? When I wasn't like, I don't know, like do hustling through. So, so here's, 
Uh, a great line. I'm going to throw this out there. Somebody tweet it to me because this is going to be a Martin Rooney line. Are you ready? <laughs> yeah. Are you ready? I used it. I used it speaking to a high school the other day. It hit me. It was, if you're patient, it's all peace. If you're patient, you're more worried about the power than you are the product. Mm. So, so now I'm more worried about the power of a coach than like, hey, I knew, I now I got two more things about coaching. I got another technique. I can post it on the internet. I, I know, right. I know something new now. I could say it. I, I wasn't as focused on the power. I was like, what's the little product? What's the little thing? What's the, it was, what are the initials I get after my name? Not the power that comes along with it. Yep. And I think, man, if you keep focusing on getting the power, the product will come. And that all goes along with, that goes with being patient, you know? And so that would, and it's, I, yeah, like, it's kind of funny. Like that would be the big advice. Like I could just remember going to sleep at night with anxiety or stress that it, like, I'm not enough. I didn't get where I need to be yet. I'm not there. I'm that. And it's like, man, like looking back, I would have spent a lot less time on that and just focused on getting each day done, like what I should be getting done. And I would have got there anyway, you know? Yeah. So here's the weirdest part. The only people that talk about being patient are the people that are way older. And like, <laughs> right. like, so I don't think I would have listened when I was 25, if I could go back and tell myself, but <laughs> but I wish I would have. I know. You know so hopefully, hopefully a good answer there. No, I think that's something we, uh, a lot of us struggle with. I mean, I find myself, I tell my son all the time, six, he's six. I'm like, dude, be patient. And I think to myself, dude, I'm 41. I'm not patient. Like, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, like yeah. so hard, <laughs> so hard. Yeah. Okay. But it's the truth, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right, my guy. Last but not least, we got our lightning round. So four fairly short questions, but your answers can be as long or as short as you like. All right. Okay. Number one, what's your career highlight so far as a coach? Wow. Well, here, I'll, I'll, yeah, <laughs> I'll cheat by giving a few things. Like some people might think it's watching, hey, when, you know, like Frankie Edgar getting the UFC belt around his waist, or it might have been, hey, I helped this javelin kid, Bobby Smith, who, man, it was so great because I didn't take my career as far as I wanted to. And he won the U.S. Olympic trials. And this was like this incredible, incredible moment, too. And, hey, the Giants, we were working with them. And there was a year, you know, they, they went to the Super Bowl. And I think people would think it would be these these big things. But really, yeah, and I guess it's – I'll give a selfish and an unselfish. The unselfish is there was this high school football team called Wayne Hills and we won a number of state titles. But the one in particular that we won, the governor stepped in because there was a fight and he removed like half our starting lineup. And we still went out there and even at halftime we were losing. And I thought, I don't know, like I don't, hopefully none of them are listening, but I didn't think we were going to win. Right. But, I, but we went in there and we had to believe it. And man won that game 15-12. And I didn't sleep for probably four or five days after. And I always say, and my mouth was, my lips were all swollen and cut. And people say, what was that? And it was because every kid, they still had their pads on and I didn't. And they would run up and ram me in the face with their <laughs> pads. And I knew it was the greatest moment because most of them were never going to go play college football. Yep. But they all ended as winners Winner. forever. That's you know. Awesome. So that's the biggie. But then here's the selfish one. And it's, hey, I have an oldest daughter. She's 17. And if people were to ask me who's my favorite athlete in the world, it's her. And, you know, probably this really cool thing was, man, when she was nine, we went to the U.S. National Indoor Championships and she medaled twice. And on one of them, she was in fourth place going into the final round. And 
switched up and and I was so terrified because I knew top three get a medal and like four right. gets nothing. And here's this nine-year-old and what's going to happen? I'm already doing the math. And man, she came, she popped one out there and came in second. And man, you're not allowed to coach. They keep you away from these kids. And when we met in the stairwell, I still say it to this day. It's like the greatest hug I ever got yeah. from my kid. And it was this moment where like, cause I had coached her and she was able to do it on her own. And Hey, fast forwarding, like, man, she finished 10th in the U S last year in the heptathlon. Like she, she's doing, you know, all these school records and, and like now, like in a weird way, it wasn't a Super Bowl or a UFC championship. It's, it's like, you know, I talked about this. If my kid wasn't doing good, I'm a loser, you know, I'm a loser, you know, right. more than like how I, I helped anybody else to win. So you know, and I have other kids too. So my other daughter swimming, other stuff. But those would be the, I think, my proudest moments as a coach. Because the hardest kid in the world to coach for anybody listening is your 16 year old kid. Like yeah. I'll tell you that. Like holy, <laughs> holy cow! <laughs> I, I can only imagine. I'm not ready for that yet. Number two, and I'm interested in this one too because we got the high. Now give me the low. What has been your biggest struggle or failure as a coach, and how have you learned from that? Man, I guess. And hey, this one is being vulnerable. We talked about patience. Now I'm going to talk about ego. Like I think now what I've tried to identify is probably my biggest struggle with a coach is I had to make the transition from it's not about me to it's about them. Mm -hmm. You know, so I would say my biggest weakness when I started as a coach is I was more worried about me and what I was doing than them. So I probably wasn't giving them the all hundred percent of Martin Rooney, you know, yeah. like I am now and, and yeah. now I get yeah. it. And I think we all make this transition, but I think it's harder than ever. You and I have talked about this with the advent of social media. Everybody has a platform in it. And the platform says it's about you. It's about you. But, but you got to see beyond that, that if you're going to identify as a coach, like one of the rules and you'll read about it in the new book, like th th this, is what the new book does, it gives these rules. The rule is it's about the other person, not you. Yeah. You know, like you have forgotten that, like that if it stays about you, you can't help somebody else get where they want to go. And I would say that now looking back, there were times that I can remember coming back from big events and, and I'd be working with athletes and you know what I was talking about? I was talking about me, yeah. you know, and I was talking about what I did and my stuff. And I'll tell you what, I had to get slapped in the face a few times, like where I remember this one NFL guy in particular is like, dude, I don't care what you're doing. Don't you care about what I'm doing? And you'd hear that and then it'd be again or something else. And then I remember, you know, you know, hey, I, you know, you got to have some sit downs. Hey, I, I would get schooled and in trouble, too. And then you realize, man, it's about them. And when your excitement, but like how I just mentioned, my greatest moment was my excitement for my kid or those other those high school kids, yeah. not for me. You know what I mean? And that's when I knew I had made the transition. But I'm hoping if everybody's listening, maybe you can make it faster than I did. So, yes out? Yes. But does anyone hear about your 500 pound deadlift? No. They want to hear about how you can help them either lose fat or win a championship or something, you know? And if you can make the transition to that faster, you'll be better off as a coach, guaranteed. For sure. Okay. Number three, if you could give every young up and coming trainer or coach one piece of advice, what would it be? <laughs> I, <laughs> Man, these are tough. You know, like again, the uh, you know, so so it's giving them a piece of advice. You know, any piece of advice. Holy any cow! Piece of advice. Yeah, which I feel like we've covered a lot of those right yes. there. So you know, meaning again, I think I think the greatest piece of advice here would here would ready here would be a good one. 
If you're a coach, your job comes down to two words. Ready? Solve problems. Mm. So my advice would be in every interaction that you have with someone. So for instance, today, Mike, you and I, this interaction, all we are doing is covering stuff that can help somebody else solve a problem. For and sure. you know what? And that's why, that's why, hey, listener, I'm talking to you. You like this right now. I guarantee you cannot say this was no good or I didn't like it. You know why? Because all we're trying to deliver is something to help you solve your problems. Yep. So that's what a coach does. And if your every interaction you have with somebody helps somebody get a little closer to solving their problem, you're gonna be the most popular person you know. And But it's funny because when I look at Coach In or Coach Ez, a lot of times the interactions I see, it's getting people further away from their problem or making them feel worse about themselves or that they're not worthy or something else. And like that is not the job. Right. So I don't know if you had a coach like that when you were young and you're just repeating the cycle, but you gotta be better than that. So you know, imagine that if somebody could just have that in their head, right? And they went to work tomorrow, and it's like in every interaction that I have with somebody, I gotta, I gotta figure out what their problem is and get them a little closer to solving it. And you will be, you will be the most wealthy, most popular person eventually, <laughs> you know, if you stay patient and you remember it's about others and you really identify with a coach, you know. And it's like, so again, that's the summary of all this stuff. And and here's the thing: the only reason I know any of this stuff for everybody listening is because I didn't do it right. Right. And, and it, it, you know, you can either pay the expensive lesson like I did, or you could take the inexpensive route, which is learning from me and Mike right here yep. and, and taking some of this advice and applying it. Right. So Absolutely. that's the best way you can thank us for that. I love it. Okay. Last but not least, number four, what's next for Martin Rooney? Well, you've done hey, a bunch, you've checked a lot of boxes. What else? What's got you excited? The book, what else? Yeah, I think, well, not to, you know, meaning the book, of course, but what the book is, I hope is going to create that I think, I hope it's going to create these conversations that everybody, again, that word identify starts identifying as a coach. I want parents to think they're coaches for their kids. I want coaches to really understand what it means to be a coach for the people that they work with. And I want to be at the forefront of that getting that conversation going and helping just like we did today. Like we hit a lot of, we hit a lot of big points that are things that people need to absorb because here's what I will definitely say is my mission now. And it's to make a world of better coaches because if the world had better coaches, the world would be a better place guaranteed. Right? Like in some way, every time there's a tragedy, a disaster, some kind of bad thing happens amongst people. If we dug deep enough, Whoever that was that caused the problem, I guarantee there wasn't a good, great team of coaches around them helping them out. Usually it's the opposite story. They had a bunch of bad people around them and bad things happen. Yeah. And if everybody recognized that we were a coach to someone else and everybody did their job a little bit better, the world's going to be a better place. And, and that's what I'm hoping for this new book. But that – I'm hoping is going to be my legacy. I don't want my legacy to be, I helped guys run faster forties and knock out people in the octagon. (laughs) Right. Yes. I'm not, I'm never going to trade that. And and I know that that is huge, but I'm going to another level now where if some kid can come up to me someday and say, my dad or mom read your book and it changed our relationship and it changed my life. And I was thinking about doing something bad to myself and I didn't. And I just want to say, thanks. It will be greater than any of those sports moments. And, and, and Hey, for anybody listening, you might be like, Oh, really? Hey guys, I'm already getting emails like that. And that's kind of being, that's my fuel. That's the fuel. Now that's the fuel that's motivating me. And I hope everybody should be so lucky to get one of those. Right. And if you are, 
If you are, then you know you're coaching. Yeah, I love it, man. Well, Martin, you've been so great to catch up with today. Where can my listeners find out more about you, the book, you, the book, everything you got going on? Yeah, well, hey, for the book, of course, and, and I have an offer. If you are listening to this before March 10th, I have a really cool offer for you. I'm calling it Get One, Give One. I know you're a coach and you need this book, but I also know you know a coach that needs this book. And uh, if you order two before March 10th and you email me at martin at coachinggreatness.com and you send the receipts, I will send you some really, really cool bonuses and these printable stuff. Guys, it's the 15 daily exercises every coach needs to know and something I'm calling the coach's creed, which the people that have it already, they have put it up on their wall. And before they ever go down onto the turf or onto the field or down to the dinner table, they got to remind themselves every day what their job is and who they are. And for thanking you for being part of this mission to get it out there, I'm going to send that stuff to you. And I'm going to give Mike a link to, if you even have a staff or team and you want to get more, I'm going to send you some details on how you can get the books at a way better rate and win even more valuable stuff from me. But if anybody can take care, uh, you know, advantage of that, get one, give one, it'd be great. And uh, hey, you can find me on social media, Facebook, Instagram at the Martin Rooney, or check out coachinggreatness.com. And I got, man, I got a lot of great coaching information there, as well as at trainingforwarriors.com too. So there are blogs, info, tons of stuff. And, and hey, I would love to hear what they thought and how I can help them out too. I love it. Well, I'll make sure I get all those links in the show notes so they can find you, they find the book. And man, if you're listening, and again, if it's before March 10th, go grab that, the give one, get one offer. That's a pretty sweet deal. I appreciate you offering that up. And man, I'm excited. I'm going to buy you know a copy of that for everybody on our staff. So make sure they read it and we can all be better coaches. So Martin, thank you so much for coming on, man. This is really, really great. No, hey, my pleasure. And I knew, you know, I knew, I knew, I knew we were going <laughs> to open a can of worms. We, we definitely did. And, and Hey, if anybody really liked this, write Mike and tell me he, he has to have me on again. Cause we just <laughs> tip of the iceberg for this stuff. That's right. That's right. Well, thanks again, Martin. I appreciate you, buddy. You got it. All right, my friend, that does it for this week's show with Martin. Sincerely hope you enjoyed it. He's one of those guys, every time I walk away from a discussion, he makes me think a little bit differently about whatever topic we were just chatting about. So if you enjoyed this show, please do me a solid. Any way you can share it, whether it's social media, email, um, just telling a friend about the podcast, I would greatly, greatly appreciate it. And my friend, as always, thank you so much for your support. Love and appreciate you. And we'll be back soon with our next episode. Take care.